Hello, everybody. Welcome to 321 No Kidding. Bobby the Awesome here. And today I have someone with me, and I'm going to introduce her both ways because when you buy your book, after you hear this, you're going to be looking for Kathy. But I have Kat with us today, as I will call her, and it's Kat Son? Son. Son. Kat Son. <laughs> Ooh, that's fun. Welcome to the show, Kat. Thank you. Thank you very much, Bobby. It's good to be here. Well, as I told you before I hit record, the floor is going to be yours. You're talking about a topic that I've heard on the periphery of my research and the different experts that I've had, but I've never had anybody go deep on this. Um, So I am looking forward to you educating me and my audience. So the floor is yours. (laughs) Thank you. Um, so I'd like to say a couple words about myself, and then so you'll understand um, the, my my experience with the with the work. Why I'm talking about the work um, when the work was actually created by my late husband David Williamson. So I, uh, I you know, the work that I did for the biggest part of my life was working for the Department of Defense, and I retired in 2020 um, after 36 years um, doing that kind of work. Uh, I met David in in 1994 on the 4th of July. You know, we used to talk about, well, there's been fireworks ever since. Um, and at the time, a lot of his clients had been saying, you know, you ought to write a book. And so I was new to the work as well. I didn't know anything about it. Um, but I'm really good. I've been sort of a natural editor. Uh, and so I said, hey, don't. You know, don't try to pull ideas apart. Just get it all out, stream of consciousness. And uh, he took me up on that because it was it was a lot to sort out. But it was a wonderful journey. And, and of course, as I got to know David and then got married after about three years um, and I was working with the material um, part time again because I was working uh, full time. I really got to understand the work um, and then I experienced it myself and really how powerful it is. So to understand the body memory process, it's important to first talk about pretty much the problems that it, uh, that it addresses. So when we are very, very young, uh, we have, by the time we are seven years old, we've largely decided how I am how they are, and how life is. So anyone who has read Biology of Belief or maybe they've heard Bruce Lipton talk because he's out there a lot talking uh, on on YouTube and uh, really tries to get people to understand that, um, you know, from the womb up until about seven years old, we are forming our core beliefs. He talks about it as um, almost like a state of hypnosis because children are in a brain state of theta. Uh, which is imagination. And, um, you know, he says when we're born, you know, we're, um, well, some of some of this, again, happens in the womb, and we can get into that. But, uh, we're, you know, we're kind of kind of clean slates. I mean, there's, there's the, um, the, the operating system, you know, if you will, but, you know, we need to put in the programs. And he talks about how we, um, you know, we observe the world around us. And um, so that's, you know, that that whole idea of, of uh, creating beliefs is one of the three real major underpinnings of the work that um, David that created by pulling all of this together. And and he says, you know, I didn't I didn't create all of it. I pulled things together in such a way to create something that was new. Basically, it's something that's bigger than the sum of the parts, um, and it also is has a solution to it, which again we'll talk about later. Um, the a second major underpinning of the work is the mind-body connection. Um, just, you know, amazing. If anyone has heard of Dr. Candace Pert, she wrote Molecules of Emotion. And she found she was researching with colleagues back in the late 70s for the opiate receptor. She figured that, you know, there ought to be, you know, if pharmaceuticals are effective, there ought to be some reason in the body why they are. And they did identify um, this opiate receptor. And the reason why we have that is because endorphins are sort of natural, as I think we all, I think a lot of people have heard about the runner's high and, you know, we have this sort of natural fit. Um, and so that really changed things a lot. And, and every, she is credited with 
credited with actually proving the mind-body connection that people had talked about for you know, thousands of years, uh, traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, um, all kind of built upon the fact that there is this mind-body connection. And now here a scientist came along, um, was really kind of turned things on its ear. Um, but again, very powerful stuff. Um, and then, um, oh, and then to add to that. So it wasn't just about the opiate receptor. When in follow-on research, they learned that there are uh, receptors all over the body for neuropeptides and, you know, and that hormones are, uh, you know, that's all of it's just kind of everywhere, you know, things that we thought was just brain are not, and things can be emotions can be coded at the body. Um, I think there's, there's a lot of work coming out, like the emotion code, there's, um, that's really picking up popularity because trauma is a big thing and everybody is really trying to figure out, you know, what to do. And so there's the trapped uh, energy uh, from emotions. Um, but then we, when we talk about this work, uh, we'll see there's, a, there's another piece um, that this work brings. Um, the third major underpinning is that babies and children are very conscious. Uh, and, and, and over the, I guess, the last 20 or 30 years, there's been researchers who have been uncovering just how uh, connected the baby is to mom in the womb and um, that trauma can occur as early as, um, there's people who talk about it as conception and, and David found it in the, in the work as he started working with clients that clients who had the decision, we'll talk about vows in a few minutes, but this vow, um, uh, about I am an accident, um, actually have said that they've been accident prone in their lives. I mean, and this is how these beliefs kind of like show up. So about beliefs around conception, if you're not wanted. So when mom finds out she's pregnant, she's either very happy about it or probably a little upset or concerned. I mean, there's, there's a range there, but it's very emotional. I think we'd all kind of admit it's a very emotional time. So it really is right for, um, for, for all the motions to be running and for this to, to impact, you know, the new, the new being that comes in. Um, it's not so much a matter of everybody really understands every sort of, you know, specific way it happens. It's just that there's so much evidence that you have to just say, somehow this new being that comes in is this patterning already starts in the womb at that early. Um, and then throughout, um, uh, you know, throughout the pregnancy, at birth, um, we can talk in a little bit about vows that come from birth trauma. And then when we're very young and we're in that theta state, we're up until about seven years old is when we're forming these four beliefs. So David pulled this together um, and, and into what he called the body memory process as really a two-pronged um, approach to helping people discover what is it that they decided back when they were, you know, in that age group. Um, and then uh, there's a sort of a homework process to be able to, um, to, to make the change, to, to release that. Uh, and it's really, the homework is really based upon the same um, uh, mechanism, uh, if you will, that allows us to create in the first place. So he used to say, uh, you know, the, the bad news is that you created it. The good news is you created it, which means that, you know, you can create something new. But the bit about the body memory process, and this is one of the things that makes it different, is that many people think that you can just sort of say affirmations and, and make a change. And I'm not, and, and for some people that may work right away, but for others, it might be a struggle because there's a lot of brain chatter that goes on. Um, and the fact that if I can say I'm a powerful woman all day long, but if I have a vow that says I am a failure, and there's lots of reasons why, you know, that can, that can be put into place in those early years, um, then there's gonna be a difficulty there. And so the body memory process homework is about yeah. I want to interrupt real quick because you're going to go sure. down and you're going to go deep. And I just want to recap your introduction, if that's all right, because you said a lot of really good things. And I have a couple questions and sure. I want to be in alignment with you. So you said that your husband 
put together these three concepts that led us to the body memory process. So beliefs, the mind and body connection, and then baby and children having consciousness up to seven years old. So those are like the the tripod around it based on other people's research and his and marrying it, correct? Right. Mm-hmm. All yes. right, good. And then am I understanding that this is almost, I don't know if, I wrote down spirituality, but I don't feel like that's the right word. Is it science? I, I'm I'm curious about, is that what I'm hearing? Like science and spirituality kind of connecting? Yeah, I, I think that that's a good way to put it. Um, I, I It's it's set up in a way that it is, it can be more, if someone is not so spiritual, that they can still do the work because it's not, um, I would say that it's very, very powerful to be a, to be spiritual and understand that, you know, we're on a journey, we're all learning and it's easier to understand how and why this happens, how we sort of attract into our lives, what we need in order to learn on that, that bigger spiritual journey that we're on. Um, that's the way that it makes sense to, to David and me. We're, we're very spiritual. And so that's the way it makes sense to us. But if you wanted to just think about it more scientifically, you can do that as well and go right right to the real basics about um, that have been proven in those books written by people with doctor in their name all over the place, you know, talking about this. Um, I wanted to say one more thing about David. Um, he had a near-death experience um, when he was 14 years old. Um, he was uh, he had double staph pneumonia and they 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 didn't have a cure for it. And he came back knowing that he had a mission. And I think it, that it came forth for him uh, sort of naturally out of the fact that doctors were telling him that he was never going to be truly healthy. He was in the, his lungs were never going to be truly, you know, the way they should be because from the disease, his cilia didn't work right. Those little hairs in your lungs that keep things moving. And uh, he didn't like that. Um, and he was like, no. And he proved them wrong time and again. Every time he said that, no, your your life expectancy is this, he would go beyond it. And uh, he kind of stepped out of college into the human potential movement. It was around the time of the, you know, the 80s. A lot of this stuff was coming out about um, the how powerful that we truly can be in the way we think and how we create our reality. So it, it really kind of naturally flowed out of his personal quest for wellness, which I think is part of the reason why it's so powerful is because he was he had a very strong motivation to discover, you know, what does it mean to be truly well? That makes and he sense. started working with clients um, in the early 80s. Uh, and so it's been, you know, well over 30 years. Um, and then I can talk in a little bit about, you know, when you're ready for me to talk about the body map that has come out of his working with clients. It blows me away that this, there was any inkling of this stuff in the last 30 years. Like I keep going through that thought process of, has this stuff always been here? And I just didn't notice because I was too wrapped up in, in addiction or is it new? So, so I love that it keeps showing up that it's been around a minute. The last interruption I'm going to have, and then I'm going to let you go again, because there's so much in here to unpack. Can you just define trauma through the lens of you and David? Like, what are you calling trauma for the audience? Just so that we're we're on the same page with that. I would say that, so if we say we'd look, just look at birth, because it might be easier to understand birth trauma, um, because it it can be, people can a lot of people have had experience with well difficult birth or they maybe they knew that you know there was a cord wrapped around the neck right or or something you know like that um but it doesn't need to be you know that dramatic um that there is there is something going out where there are emotions running um and the baby or the small child is an emotional a very emotional being um it they are uh, if you if you've ever heard a child talk about you know always and never and everything is just <laughs> very very dramatic. <laughs> um, so you know they're very ripe for creating these beliefs uh, I, about you know I am or I won't I will the wording that comes out and then I, I can talk 
talk about some of these vowels, some of the wording, you know, it's just, it's, it's very strong, very powerful, just um, that, that comes out some decision I'm going to make about, again, about how I am, how I am uh, about, you know, the world say life is a struggle is one that comes out. And, and sometimes that can come from, from, from mom, uh, maybe having a difficulty with pregnancy or, you know, the, the, somebody, somebody is not happy about the fact that she's pregnancy. I mean, a lot of things um, that can, you know, it's going to contribute to this idea or it's what David called the family duel. It's something that gets passed on from generation to generation about how, how some difficulties, uh, uh, you know, about life. Um, you would ask if you're ready for me to talk about the money one, I, this, sort of might naturally flow here because it just occurred to me. <laughs> Go for it. Yep. I'm done with my so, interruptions for a minute here. Yeah. So um, we've all heard of, you know, money is the root of all evil. Uh, and a lot of times, you know, you just, you hear that growing up or it's, it's difficult, you know, it's, uh, it, it's hard to, to, uh, to raise money or there's, there's lack, a lot of conversation about lack around it. If, a child asks for something and, you know, they're told, well, we can't afford it. Um, you know, where there's, it's, it's, it's in that, to answer your question about the trauma, um, it's, that's traumatic in the sense that that child then has, has that belief kind of bestowed upon them. And they're not in a point of, of choice that they could be, uh, perhaps if they didn't have these preconceived ideas and then they could go into, you know, adulthood and, and maybe more easily kind of go, get into the idea that money is a flow, uh, which really is what it should be. Uh, money is energy, right? It's a, it's meant to be a flow. It comes, it goes. Um, and, uh, you know, the idea that now uh, because of this conversation around me growing up, um, I'm I'm experiencing I'm experiencing lack too. It just sort of plays itself out because I either hold on to money too tightly or I don't like it and I spend it as quickly as I can and I end up with you know without it. Um, and so I guess that's the trauma in it and it and again it shows up in very uh, a lot of different forms. Um, we could if you're ready I can talk about uh, some of the trauma associated with. Um, the conditions that make people ripe for addiction. And if you're ready for me to talk about that. Um, that yeah, I'm, I'm so sorry. I derailed you. You were, you were leading us into, I think maybe a definition of what body memory process was. And you said something about the map. So, you know, mm. in your head, how the puzzle pieces fit together. So you just go ahead and I'll just take some notes and hit you up later. <laughs> okay. But it's not, everybody's going to understand. I am not a linear thinker. So so I might be over here and then I'm like over there because like, wow, that's an important piece as well. Um, but to, you know, again, just make sure everybody's clear, um, kind of summarize what I've said so far. Uh, we, from from the earliest time uh, that, you know, in the womb, uh, all the way up until pretty much seven years old, you know, we are this sort of clean slate, I guess, that, that, we are ripe for this emotional content through which we make these decisions about how I am, how others are, and how life is. Um, and then the body memory process is to get, there's a process for getting to that, to identifying, you know, what are the decisions I made um, based upon uh, basically what's going on with my body and other sort of, you know, subjective and objective data. Um, and then there's the homework process to be able to to be able to release that, um, which I can talk about it, you know, at, at whatever point you'd like me to. Um, so that sort of summarizes uh, the body memory process. Okay. You're, what I just what just occurred to me is I've been very rough around the edges, like saying that one of the biggest beliefs I have in my recovery now is that we can almost cure addiction in it. And that's a strong word, but we don't have to be, like, I think that the chance of relapse goes on more if we don't take care of the past. 
So all of those beliefs and what happened from, from seven on that formed this thinking and I, and I've gotten there mentally, but I think you're going to share with us like calling them vows and, and the way you're saying it is much more gentler than the way I've been approaching it. And I think you're going to give us another strategy. I think that's what the body memory process is about is this other strategy to do that healing and I, I really like thinking of it that way. So when you say vows, and, and again, I've read a little about you and, and have an understanding, but vows is almost the equivalent of like our beliefs into action. Is that what you mean by vows? Yes. Um, yes, absolutely. So I've sometimes used beliefs interchangeably just because sometimes it's difficult for people to understand, you know, what, what I mean by vow. Um, so th- I would say a vow is a strong belief, but yes, there's actually a very, uh, is a, an en- there's an action component to it. And I have a, a sheet in front of me here that I'm going to look at because it's one of the things that I teach uh, when I do webinars that I call vow creation patterns. And there are, there's wording um, of them that's, uh, very, very powerful, and it kind of gives you an idea of how it plays out in your life. So I can't, right? I, I can't get enough. You know, that's one of the ones that shows up with with addiction. I, I can't get enough. It, and it makes one feel powerless um, when what I can't, uh, you know, presents itself. Um, I won't. takes away choice. But it might be in there. I won't, um, you know, do something. Um, or I will again, takes away choice um, because it was the whole idea um, that the vow is in there and that I'm not able to make choice. It's sort of running me. Um, I'll give an example. And sometimes people say, well, that would be a good vow to have is I will always be happy. And and that can, that can actually, you know, be in there um, in someone is like, I'll always be happy. Um, but what about when we're not, right? When it's time to to mourn, we all have things that happen in life where it's actually healthy to not be happy, you know, in that moment because, it's, you know, we need to sort of grieve and let that process happen. Um, so it, another thing I want to put in here is that, you know, we think of trauma as a negative thing with the child. It's they're, they're trying to figure out how to be in life. They're trying to figure out how to get love and how to get their needs met. And I'll give you an example. Uh, say I'm about three years old. It's hard to get my dad's attention. I have it at this moment. I'm sitting on his knee and we're having a great time. And he looks at me and he says, you'll always be my good little girl. Mm. And I'm like, mm, got it. You know. So I've got, it's an emotional time. It's happy. So it's not traumatic really in a sense and, and so we say a lot of times these are about these are formed through trauma and a lot of times they are but I think that really underneath all of this if you were really to distill it it's about that emotion um I think if everyone starts looking at what's out there like the emotion code what Candace Pert discovered about emotions is that's sort of like the I see it as sort of like the next frontier for humanity. I think we need to really get a handle on what it means, you know, what, about what, a, you know, the importance of getting a handle uh, on our own emotions. Um, and that, that's a key to our healing. And I think the key to our really sort of progressing, you know, as, as you are moving forward is being able to deal with that. Because if you look at, a lot of the problems that are really widespread, it's all, it's a lot of it's due to, you know, just unex- unexplored emotions, emotions that are stuffed. Um, so I think that that's really kind of the key. Um, and again, not necessarily because of something that was, um, that was bad, it could be a happy, you know, good experience. You know, mom says, you know, you're always, you're always happy, you know, you're always such a happy baby. And then so I'm thinking, yep, that's the way mom likes me to be. So that's it. I'll always be happy. Um, okay. So, you know, that's, again, that's, that's sort of like the way that, that these vows uh, are worded. And we we have a collection of about uh, almost a thousand uh, after working with clients all of these years. And uh, a lot of them, are, you know, they're not just all unique. A lot of them are just pretty common. 
um, that people end up with um, as be, because of some of the things we've talked about already, like the, the conversation around money, um, the conversation around uh, at home um, about just how we learn to be in relationship. Uh, so say we have a parent that rages and, you know, I'm, I'm thinking that's the way, you know, one parent thinks that's the way they have to get your attention. So all of a sudden the voice goes up and then, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to learn that. I'm going to learn that, uh, you know, as a, as a behavior. And a lot of it's just comes about because we're, we are modeling, you know, what we, what was around us. So how do you fix it using this body memory process? Like, tell me, let's pretend I was your client. And I came to you with, um, I'm not worthy. Is that a vow? Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> so, so I'm not worthy, which is why I like, this is, I'm going to make it up a little, but it kind of is maybe partially true. I'm not worthy. So I'm not capable of having money. So I should blow my money at the casino because I don't know what it's like to save money. Right. Like that's as yes. real of an example as I could get for three, two, one. Oh, yeah. So, so can you talk us through like what that might look like in your process or how to use your process to come up with the better vow or belief? Yeah, um, absolutely. So identifying that I'm not worthy. I mean, you may, uh, you know, I have you as a client and it may come up in conversation kind of early because the 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 work to discover these vows is, is largely interactive, right? So um, I, I have a course now where people can actually, because I, I need to, you know, scale it. Um, I can't clone, you know, myself. <laughs> um, I'd love to be able to, to be able to sit on one with everybody to make this discovery. Um, but there's, there's a way to, to walk through, okay, what's going on in my life or whatever, you know, to, um, what's how I'm feeling in my body to discover these vows. Uh, but it, say we, we came to that vow and, and usually there's more. There, a lot of times it's not just one, right? Um, uh, so either you come to me and you're like, I know I have this in my head all the time, or we've been able to uncover it together. Um, so there is a, the, the, David called it emptying the cup uh, physically, mentally, and spiritually. And that's the that's from the old story of the um, master teach me everything I know. And the master's pouring the cup of tea and the cup overflows. And he says, but master, my 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 cup is full. And he says, yes, so is your mind. I can't teach you anything right? that you can't. You know, yeah. they say you can't go into something thinking that you can't go into a class, even though you've had a similar class. If you go in thinking you already know everything. You might learn a little bit more, but you're not going to learn as much as if you came in and said, okay, just talk to me like I know nothing about this. Like, like you do, you do that. You want to be like, I don't, I know nothing about this, you know, because I want to be able to learn it from, from the bottom up. Um, and so um, the work for emptying the physical cup is what David named disavowals. So if we have a vow, that says I'm not worthy, then what I'm gonna do is give you homework that you are going to say, I disavow I'm not worthy. And we'll try it in a session. And I'll say, how do, you know, how does that feel? And a lot of times people will say that they can actually feel the feel the energy, they can feel the movement. Like if it's showing up a certain way in a, you know, in an, you know, in an elbow or something, like it's it's lodged because it's like with the emotion code, there is energy associated with it. There's a blockage a lot of times and they will actually feel, or I have to, here's one. Um, I have to do it all myself. That's a very common one. And that's, you had mentioned about what are the clues in our body where we carry pain and tension, low back. A lot of times that's where we're carrying, you know, a lot, so many people with low back pain and we think we have to do it ourselves. Or I hear I heard somebody recently say it, and I kind of cringe. Like, well, if I'm if you have to, if it's going to be done right, I'd have to do it myself. You know, <laughs> it's frustrating so, in this nowadays. I I keep trying to congratulate my friends and my people when they do ask for help. I tell them I'm proud of them, and I'm glad that that the, they'll ask for help instead of all the bad things that can happen when you don't and you bury them. 
um, or just giving us the gift of being able to help someone and, and have our own happy feelings. Absolutely. So. Um, be, being able to receive as well as give is important. And it's important spiritually. And it's something I've struggled with. Um, I'm all, you know, I can give until the cows come home, but you know, don't try to do anything for me. Oh, no, 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 no. I got it. <laughs> yep, I can so, see yes, that. I've, I've had my share of, of low back pain, um, but it's going to be, if I thought I was thinking of one earlier to be able to explain this. Um, if I have a vow, I am a failure. I'm not going to fix it by, by thinking I am a success. Now it's going to have, that's going to have some, and we'll talk about the third part of the homework, which is affirmations. Um, it, it has its role doing an affirmation, but that's kind of like, that's really about after you've already emptied the cup, because you're trying to put something in that's already full. This, you got to remember, it's about cellular memories. What Dr. Pert discovered that, you know, we have this all happening in our body and the, the, the body is an information system. It's not a chemical they, they used to think it's all about chemicals and it's an information system. And if you've got that information already in there, you need to be able to let it go. And so it came in as, which one are we working on? I've named a few, um, say I'm not worthy. So if it came in with, I'm, I'm not worthy, I disavow, I'm not worthy. You're, you're actually, and it's got, you, you say that with the emotion because you're an adult now, right? You're not, you're not the child that made that up. Um, so I, I, I have a, I have a book I'm writing now called, uh, uh, you made, you made it up now stop believing it. Right. So we made it up. It's time to stop believing. It's not serving you as an adult. So feel that, you know, get that emotion behind it. I disavow. I'm not worthy. You're going to do that three times a day for 90 days. How long does it take to change a habit, right? So this is about retraining the cell memory. That's the physical cup. The spiritual work is about forgiveness. No, no, uh, uh, um, you know, surprise there, right? Yes. <laughs> so powerful, so powerful. And, you know, in the course of this discovery work, you probably have some sort of an idea of, you know, who maybe to forgive around that. Uh, so maybe I got this message. Even though it's, it may, like, because remember communication, we all learned about communication right in school. Uh, you receive something, but you may not receive it the way that it was intended. Uh, and so like David teaches, we used to teach people, um, when you're teaching something, you kind of test, especially with kids, you kind of test to see, now what did you hear me say, right? And so you want them to give it back to you. Maybe even in their own words is fine. But to check for you know, how that went in. But a lot of times as parents, uh, we, we, we don't you know, kind of almost start going on automatic, you know, but we start thinking, oh, I remember when my mom said this to me, <laughs> but which is just kind of run because it's all, you know, a lot of, a lot of emotions around, you know, and before we know it, we're saying uh, something that the, the child is hearing. Open, and then they've got their own idea, like just what that means. And it's all going on in there that we're not even aware of how they're filing that away. And it's it's not even, it may have nothing to do with what they heard mm. and the way that it would, that, that piece of communication was intended. And that's not what matters, like, but that's not what they meant. It doesn't matter. What matters is what the child heard and how they filed that away is the vow, that belief. Um, that is going to, to be there when they're an adult, still running, still working behind the scenes to limit their life. Wow. So you're forgiving the person who, who said the thing you interpreted, or are you forgiving yourself for not interpreting it the right way? Well, when, when someone gets a list of, you know, who to forgive, a lot of times it's not necessarily, you know, who's the one who put this this vow in me necessary. Like there's a there's a recommended list of forgiveness, like the birth team, because uh, there are things that are said at the birth that the that, that can get picked up energetically, and the child is pre-verbal. So yeah, it's not like you know I know consciously that you just said there's nothing special about this one, and that was one that actually showed up with a client. 
there's nothing special about this one, meaning nothing to worry about. It's a textbook um, delivery. And the, as in a, the, like this, this client had that as a vow that showed up and the way that it showed up for them was they didn't think there were anything special. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they always believed that they were, they were just common. They, they never thought that they were going to do anything really all that great with their life. And, it, you know, it showed up with what they attracted in their life. And, and then they were like sort of unsatisfied with it until they discovered that that was a lot of times uh, when people are going through the body memory process, they're, they're asked to talk with family members. Mom can have a lot of information that she doesn't even know is important. Like, oh, I didn't even know that was going to be important to you. Yeah, sure. This is what happened. And this is what they said. But wow, you know, that's that's impacting your life now. And it can be a real learning process for the client and their family members when a lot of this just starts coming to light. Um, so the, to answer your question, you know, the the forgiveness a lot of times is, you know, this mom and dad, right? Mom, dad, they're the ones who were there from the very beginning, of, again, doing the best that they could. Um, you know, very lovingly saying whatever they said. Uh, we had one client that had, um, and this happened more than once, that it showed up as juvenile onset diabetes because they were called, you know, sweetie so much by, you know, by a, by a parent. Like that actually sort of came out and we, you know, recorded it that that was the reason was because of, you know, you know, sweet sweetie, sweetie, honey, um, it happened to a boy because mom wanted a girl. And I don't know, it's, wow. <laughs> that's, that's the way it showed up. And um, yeah, it's very, uh, it's, it's just very powerful. Um, and, and it's, and it's going to be, this can be different. It, it might not show up that way for one person, but for the next, you know, that that's way the way that it, um, that it shows. And so it's, it can be pain, tension, and even, you know, disease that these, these vows can can show up in people's lives. You said you had some personal experience with this. Oh yes. Do you want to do you want to chat about that? Sure. Yeah, people had to. I I used to tell David I was his poster child. <laughs> you were the po oh his poster I was his child. Poster child. <laughs> because I had so much work. Um, I I had a birth mom and I had an adoptive mom. So, you know, I had, I just got, you know, kind of double the work <laughs> to do. Um, but I, I, I was actually adopted and didn't realize it until I was in my thirties. And that, that's sort of its own story. Um, uh, but my adoptive parents um, adopted all three of us, uh, me and my two siblings from different families. Um, and, you know, they, again, interesting that, that magical age of seven, when children are supposed to be able to get abstract ideas um, had me read a book called The Chosen Baby, and I didn't think it was about me. I thought it was a great story, and I would read it over and over. I still remember the book. Um, but anyway, I, you know, it made a lot more sense to me when it finally came out um, when I was in my 30s. I had um, a birth mom who was very distraught, I think probably very young, and um, she tried to do a home abortion when she was in her um, sixth month of uh, yeah. of gestation um we think that there was probably a um you know a raging grandfather and like there was somebody in her in her space um who was just just traumatizing her and then you know Curtis, it was very toxic you know for me and um it was probably just as well that you know things ended up the way they did but this is an interesting way that um this all this stuff started showing up in in my life when I was very young, I, and I still remember, I was sitting in the doctor's office. The doctor had asked me a question, and I just, I didn't answer. I didn't want to answer. I was afraid to answer. Uh, and over the years, I started realizing that I just didn't really want to talk in front of the groups. Now, the doctor wasn't a group, but once this came out when I was an adult, and I did the body memory process, and it all came to light of why, why um, I got so incredibly nervous about talking in front of a group. I mean, I, I would just almost pass out. It was so bad. I know that people have um, the fear of talking in front of, of groups. It's a common thing. They say it's more common in the fear of death. Um, but this was really particularly bad for me. And what 
what came to light was that I was in an incubator and it was 1961. Um, and there were a lot of medical people that probably did not think that I was going to make it. And I perceived that either, you know, and again, either they were saying out loud, they were thinking that on some energetic level, I, I uh, perceived that. And we uncovered a vow that I had. They watch me to see when I'm going to die. Mm. I, the guy was like, eh, I don't think I'm going to make it. And so the way it played out for me uh, is every time I got in front of a group, I, I was in that life and death situation and I was, I was very much felt like I was being judged and like I was going to die. Now, how do you die on stage? Right. You just, you kind of goof up, you slip up, you forget what you're supposed to say. You know, you leave your notes over there. <laughs> you know, that's, that's sort of metaphorically, but this shows up a lot of times where something has a death, like a, a like, cause kids again are very dramatic. And things a lot of times are in terms of black and white, up and down, it's very dualistic, you know, life, death, you know. And so you can kind of get how, oh, you know, being in front of a group is going to be, um, no wonder I was so nervous. And no wonder I was so nervous talking to a doctor wearing a white lab coat, where, and I'm sure that all those people in the NICU or whatever they called it back in 1961 were wearing, you know, this, what they were wearing white coats. Um, so, yeah, that was the way that that really showed up for me. Now, I'd like to talk for a minute, if it's okay, about the body map, because uh, it's a very, very powerful tool that after working, you know, over 30 years with clients, David started noticing a pattern. And it was very good at, you know, taking notes and, and you know, being able to, you know, kind of see this uh, fall out. So the, the, um, the body in the body map, um, the the right side of the body is about the the masculine issues tend to present in the right side. Feminine on the left. The front of the body is about how I relate to the world, and the back of the body about how the world relates to me. If if uh, your listeners might be aware of the chakra system that comes from um, I guess Ayurveda, a lot of the Eastern thought systems, the body has this, this chakra system, seven chakras, um, you know, from root um, at sort of the base of our spine, creative, going on up, creative solar plexus is about, um, you know, personal power, the heart is its own chakra, communication at the throat, um, intuition is uh, like your third eye, have you ever heard of that, right, in the forehead, and then there's a crown is the spiritual chakra. Um, and so, there are there's a, a body map that we have that we've mapped those almost thousand vows to where they show up as pain or tension in the body. And this is one way that people are able to fairly quickly um, just kind of zoom in on what's going on for them. Like, this is what's going on. This is like the set of vows that have showed up whenever this happened for other people. Um, and it's 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 pretty powerful. So. Having explained the body map, at least briefly, I'd like to give an example of how another one of my issues that kind of showed up um, in my body. I always carried this um, kind of tension and pain in that scapula area, left side of my body. So um, feminine issue, something about how a powerful woman was relating to me because it was in my back. And it was almost directly in between heart chakra and throat chakra and decoded it's how a powerful woman in my life was expressing love to me well son of a gun if it wasn't my my adoptive mother who was very very um uh, controlling um very very much protective of me but it came across as very controlling. She wanted to be in the middle of everything, she wanted to be involved in every decision, even when I was well into my thirties. And uh, <laughs> I didn't like that. Um, and so I carried it in my back. I had this pain in my back and I didn't realize until I did the work on it, that that's what it was, um, did the work. And I was able to release the, the energy and release the decision there and and I was able to, you know, move on. Just like I wouldn't be able to be here talking to you if I hadn't done that work on myself with that um, 
they watch me to see when I'm going to die. Um, because I mean, I, I just, I couldn't get in, I couldn't talk in front of a, a camera. I, I wouldn't have been able to talk in front of anybody, but maybe one-on-one -on -one I was okay. But even then sometimes I, I didn't say a lot, um, but uh, over, over the years and into college and beyond, I, I started to very much come out of myself. But still, even when I was working for the government, I became a manager. I needed to stand in front of groups of my own employees. I, you know, I was just terrified until I did the work. Uh, and and um, it was amazing the the change to empty that, again, the disavowals to do to empty the physical cup, the spiritual work. And I don't think I've mentioned the mental cup. And that's that affirmation work that I talked about a moment ago. Um, Again, that's not just trying to kind of jam in, I am a powerful woman, because what happens a lot of times when we try to make a, a really positive statement about ourselves, our brain likes to throw up all the reasons why we're not, right? It's like, oh, no, 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 but what about that time? And what about this time? And it's like this, you know, this, uh, this voice. And so the, the affirmation part of the homework is about getting all that brain chatter out. Right, using paper, using the you know pencil, just getting it down, um, and it usually it it will work itself out. I mean, it's a, a, there's a point where it's kind of like well, you already said that, right? <laughs> you already said that. Oh no, that's not true either. You know, and just having that, what we resist, we make stronger. I, I think a lot of people have heard that before, and I think they've experienced it. This is about not resisting. This work is about embracing, you know, what's happened. Okay, you know, okay, this is what's come up. That's so, you know, it's all okay. It's very much being gentle with yourself, being loving, um, being able to acknowledge this is what's going on, and then okay, it's time to let that go. Let's let's get that out of there. Empty the mental cup as well, and then you can put you can work with the affirmations. And when you don't have the chatter coming up about the affirmation, then you can truly do the affirmations the way that they're intended to be able to then put in what we want as an adult and not be living any longer by what the child put into play. Well, I have to say, Kat, I'm grateful that you got past, that you did the work and that you're speaking to us. That's the very first thing I want to say. Um, I find... I find this so fascinating because I'm, I'm starting as you're talking and sharing your experience, I'm thinking about the people that I know have the most pains or aches or surgeries or things, um, which opens up this whole other mindset about how we can recover, whether it's physically or mentally or spiritually or all those things. And then I'm also in my head chuckling. I And maybe I picked up this belief. Maybe I knew about that story that you told about the teacup. But when I talk to my audience about um, self-care and taking care of themselves and being prepared so that you don't relapse, I always describe it as this bucket in my chest. And you have to scoop out the negative in order to keep the positive. And you have to dig deep at those bottom three inches and scoop all that nasty stuff out. And that's like your reserve that prepares you in, in the worst of the worst so that you don't relapse. Like you need to have, and it's filled through, um, you know, good podcasts or exercise or whatever. Like that's just my, the way i come to believe it and share it. So as you're talking about these cups, thank you for being in alignment. And I wonder if I stole some version of this from that teacher or not, but um, it just works to simplify it. Cause sometimes this stuff is, is heavy and it's a lot. Like you're talking about all these books, doctors wrote them. It wasn't Bobby, the floral lady that wrote them, right. Or, or cat, the fed it, it's doctors and people putting a lot of effort in that. Yes. Um, I have one question and I don't know if it's relative to your work specifically, but um, you referenced a lot of things that I've looked at bits and pieces and, you know, I have my minuscule understanding. I haven't gone depth deep, but what is your feeling on, so there's a belief and you mentioned the word emotion a lot of time. 
And then we talk about this stuff being thoughts and the thoughts and beliefs are almost the same thing in current. I, I was, I was curious if you could, if you have a perspective on the difference between a thought and an emotion, um, which one's more legitimate, if that's the right language around it, do you get what I'm, I'm trying oh, to yeah. ask you here? Yeah. So can you elaborate on that? And- and you know there there is a lot of confusion around around it. There's a um, um, you know the thought, um, you know belief, emotion, all those are kind of sometimes used interchangeably. And in like one de- diction, one definition is not going to be saying the same as the other. I think Dr. Candace Bird is the one who can probably answer that best. Um, and I think she used to lecture about the fact that um, because of the mind body uh, relationship, is that it's kind of can come from either, you know, like an emotion can arise from, from the body, you know, or it can, it can be in the brain. I mean, it, it's like, it can be thought provoked. And then there's like the, that the body will actually have a lot of times a reaction, um, you know, before there's thought, you know, and so it's not that one is more legitimate or, or better. I mean, I, I think that it's, it's, it's all, you know, involved in this, um, you know, in, in creating this, this belief system, you know, I guess it, it's, yeah, um, it, it's really, it's really about all of it. I, I think because, because there's no barrier between the mind and the body. Um, I, I think David used to talk about making a distinction between feeling an emotion because a lot of people will talk about well i and they talk you know i'm feeling rage um well there's the feeling of how your heart starts racing and you know there's an actual body experience of rage but then there's the emotion which actually carries along the history and Mm. i think that that's the part that we're trying to get to in order to really change behavior and you know to be able to you know to to rid ourselves of this baggage that we've carried into adulthood um, because maybe we had a parent who raged or we build on experience. That's why I tell people, you know, if you don't believe that that children can make this up when they're in the womb or at conception, a lot of people are like, oh, okay, it's okay because we, we tend to reinforce beliefs. And so if it first occurred in the womb, um, you know, at that point in our lives, you know, we have that belief and we act it out and then we kind of reinforce it and see I was right, you know, kind of thing. And then it reinforces itself. So what it doesn't really matter when it first happened, whether it happened in the war, it happened when you were five years old. Um, what's important is the fact that, OK, you know, it happened and it created it created this result in your life and that, you know, it's time to make that change because you know, if you want something better for your life, it's important to, to address it, you know, so that you can create something new. That's a perfect tie-in to my last question. Um, this was so interesting. I kind of went a little over, so, um, hopefully everybody hung in there with us, but you mentioned a course that you have and what would be, what would be a symptom or what, how would people know they need to, and it, maybe the course is the best way to start learning about this and start doing the work um, or, or maybe talk about that, but what would be a symptom? Would my addiction alone be a symptom to go try to do this course and start looking at what my belief system is? Is it the pain in the body? Like what, what would, yeah. what are my listeners feeling right now that make it so that they should be looking at you up? Yeah, I, it, it really is. Okay, so and this is this is the way because um, I've listened to Bruce Lipton talk about this, um, and because because he talks he does a um, some he teaches people how to kind of get back into sort of that hypnosis state that they were in when they were a child that that's how you kind of get uh, it's kind of like how how our approach is about you know, getting to the wording of the vow and then sort of like you know disavowing you know he talks about well. Uh, you know, get back to that state of um, that, that, that state of um, uh, hypnosis. So he said, he, the, what, what he says is, what's in your life, right? So do you like what's in your life? Because if you like everything that's in your life, and you're perfectly happy with it, 
every single thing, your health, your relationships, your finances, your career, <laughs> you know, all those kind of self-help areas. Um, if you're happy with all of it, then good to go, right? So you then then you're one of the lucky ones that had, had everything wired in so that your life is is playing out very successfully for you. Um, most of us either have a uh, like either like gee there's a whole bunch of stuff I'd like to change you know or you know there's you know maybe some things that you would like there's nothing really really bad but you know there's something here um, when people would seek out this work a lot of times they 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 were in some type of crisis we we tend as human beings to um, as long as we're okay we're getting by because you know, we're busy right there's stuff to do every day and you might think you might think to yourself you know i really ought to do something about this or you know i ought to see if there because this is but it's maybe not so painful you know it's not so much of a big issue in our life that is creating those pain points that we're like oh no like there's a rock in my shoe and i got to get it out now because i know I'm, you know I'm rubbing you know the skin off if it's not like that it's then okay well maybe i'll do it tomorrow because I'm busy. I got to go to work. I come home and bring this sort of a routine from day to day. Um, so I would say taking, I would tell your listeners to just you know, kind of take a look at, do a little inventory. You know, is there anything in your life that you think that you'd like to, to do differently? Then it's time to take a, take a look um, then at, at yourself, right? Is whether it's the body memory process or anything else, there's a lot of great self-help stuff out there. Um, I recommend this because people have told us that it's like a laser beam as opposed to the flashlight of psychotherapy. Because people who have said that they've been in therapy for years and they had a three-hour session of body memory process and they were able to zero right in at those underlying causes. Right. We all know from medicine, you can't you can't you know fix the problem if you don't know the underlying cause. So um, I tell, you know, if if anybody has never really done any introspection before and done anything that's uh, self-help, um, whatever you feel comfortable with, take your baby steps. You know, it's all good. It's all good. You do it into your own case. And, you know, life will let you know, you know, it'll start amping things up once you start looking it's amazing how all of a sudden it'll just be illuminated and you'll go yep that's really something i need to work on um and then I, again I, I i recommend uh doing something that's going to be kind of get you to that underlying cause like the body memory process and then give you something that you could do about it because i think sometimes there's stuff out there that they're like this is what's going on but it doesn't really give you this nice step-by-step -step process to say Here's what's going to create the change that you want. Love it. So, Miss Cat, where can people find you? So, I have a website, bodymemoryprocess.com. So, it's all one word, bodymemoryprocess.com. And, um, I, you know, if you have any questions, I'd love to hear from you. Um, info at bodymemoryprocess.com. Send me an email. You know, ask a question on the website. Um, you can see there's a free ebook that you can download. Um, you, you can get a, a free 20 minute consultation with me. Um, there's all links on there that that you can uh, you can you can find that. So awesome. more than happy to talk to anybody. I'd love I love this work. Um, again, I, I think I don't know if I mentioned that I lost him. I, if I mentioned to uh, David as my late husband, um, that yes, I lost him in, in 2019. But I, I this is really sort of like a um, I feel like it's a mission um, because it's so very powerful. You know, we created that body map. Um, I have client case studies that demonstrate how people's lives have changed by doing this work and uh, the world needs it really does need um, this work so i'd love to talk about it and i uh, help anyone who is interested perfect well thank you so much for being here kat we will get all that information in the show notes too so thanks again thank you really